Hey guys, what's up? Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Birdie, and today we're going to be starting our second division in my Who Are They series, where I go over each team and break them down position by position and tell you what I want to see from them this season. We're going to be kicking things off in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills, so let's get right on into it. Alright, so in case you guys are new here, we're going to go over each team position by position and just give it a general roster breakdown. And then at the end, I'm going to give reasons for pessimism, optimism, what I think of their over-under win total right now, and also give their biggest strength and weakness. At the end of the series, I'm going to do a whole season prediction where I'll give my official uh, win-loss record for each team as well as a playoff preview. So today, we're going to start things off in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. So at quarterback, Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's definitely top five and I'd say arguably top three. Um, I don't see any reason where he won't continue to be this way. Like, yeah, Dable's leaving, but I feel like Josh Allen is there. And now that his coordinator's gone, he's still going to be at that level and he'll be able to do just fine with Ken Dorsey there, who was the quarterback coach in Buffalo anyway. So it shouldn't be too different. Um, Yeah, he's got the best arm talent in the league and he's also one of the best running quarterbacks so there's like almost nothing he can't do um, Keenum is a good backup he can win some games if Allen gets out with injury like he even brought the the Vikings to the NFC championship years ago however you probably don't want him starting especially because that means something happened to Josh Allen which isn't a good thing but not bad having a good backup and then Barkley he's been a career backup but he's stuck on the Bills roster since 2018 so it's nice that they have the familiarity there in the roster with quarterback three. At running backs, they have Devin Singletary, James Cook, Zach Moss, Duke Johnson, and Reggie Gilliam at fullback. So Devin Singletary hasn't been able to establish himself as a true stud back here in Buffalo, but has been productive in a more pass-happy offense. Um, he's had almost 1,000 yards on the ground with 10 touchdowns to go along with it last season, and then another about 250 through the air and one more touchdown. Um, They brought in Cook to be their third down slash receiving back. He was touted as like the best receiving back in this class, so Cook could easily become Buffalo's most productive back this season as the Bills are one of the most pass-happy teams in the league. Zach Moss was brought in a couple years ago to push Singletary for his job, but hasn't really done that much yet. Um... Is he going to be able to bounce back from like a poor sophomore season, to say the least, and push Singletary for his job as like the main running back? Because I view Cook as more like the third down receiving back. Or is he just going to be like an afterthought in this offense now as running back three? And then Duke Johnson is a veteran third down receiving type back who will likely only get touches in case of injuries or just in case like Cook is tired and they want to do some receiving stuff. But um, he should at least be like an average back when called upon. Like he's not bad, but he's not good and then Gilliam he got over 100 snaps last season and was a decent run blocking fullback for them and we'll see if they keep using him um, in Ken Dorsey's offense so for wide receivers they have Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Jameson Crowder, Khalil Shakir, Isaiah McKenzie, Marquez Stevenson, Jake Kumrow, Isaiah Hodges or Isaiah Hodgins, um, Tanner Gently, Neil Pau, and Malik Williams So Stephon Diggs should continue to be a top five receiver. He's one of the best route runners, and he's consistently an open target for Allen to hit. 
Um, he's not old enough for like regression to really be kicking in and nothing's really changing in this offense enough where I see Dakes having a step back from what he is. So should just continue to be that elite target. Um, Throughout last year, Davis, he wasn't anything much more than just like an all right two who probably would have been better as a three until the divisional round. In the regular season, Davis had about 550 yards and six touchdowns. But in that divisional round matchup, in case you guys didn't watch it, it was crazy. Definitely watch it if you haven't. Davis had 200 yards and four touchdowns. And it wasn't just like fluky coverage, but getting him open. He was like legit getting open, had crisp route running. But was this like a one game breakout in the playoffs? Or can he be like this legit threat this season opposite of Diggs? Because that would just be a crazy one-two punch if you get divisional round Gabriel Davis plus Stephon Diggs. Uh, Crowder, he's been one of the most reliable slot receivers for Washington and New York. Now that he's paired up with the best QB he's had in his career, will he look even better? It's also noted that like Josh Allen, he helped slot receiver Cole Beasley look amazing when he was in this offense. So is that going to be the same here? Um, Khalil Shakir is an elusive slot receiver type who can win at the catch point and with the ball in his hands. Uh, fifth round pick out of Boise State this year. We'll see if he gets a lot of usage with Crowder firmly in front of him. But he's definitely got a lot of potential to be a day three slot receiver who massively outperforms his draft stock. And then Isaiah McKenzie is good depth to have a speed threat. Even posting a 33 catch, 296 yard and six touchdown season two years ago which is just ridiculous how many touchdowns he had compared to the other numbers um he is primarily a slot option though but maybe with all the good slot options ahead of him he can unlock a way to capitalize on his speed as a deep threat and then i expect them to pick at least like one more of these outside receivers to make the roster as depth um stevenson is a six round second year player who didn't even play last year uh, Kumaro, he's like a 30-year-old vet who hasn't produced much since being undrafted in 2015. Hodgins was drafted in the sixth round three years ago, but hasn't done anything really for Buffalo yet. Gentry hasn't done anything since being undrafted in, in 2017. And then Pau and Williams are undrafted free agents this season. Um, yeah, so I don't know m- much about all those guys, but I'm assuming at least one, maybe even two of them will stick on this roster. So for tight ends, they have Dawson Knox, OJ Howard, Tommy Sweeney, and Quentin Morris. Knox has been getting better each season since being selected in the third round out of um, third round of 2019 out of Ole Miss, but he's yet to become like a top tight end in this league as his kind of potential has shown. But if he can continue his development, he should be able to get his way on the track and be one either this year or next year, especially with Josh Allen throwing him the football. Um, OJ Howard has looked great. As a first round pick for the first three years in Tampa Bay, but these last two years, just something happened, something wasn't clicking. There was also like a lot of competition in that room. He dealt with the injuries, um, and yeah, now he's looking to reestablish himself here in Buffalo. And he definitely has a chance to do that, do that if he can beat out Dawson Knox or even just be like a nice complimentary tight end to Knox. And then Sweeney and Morris are seventh round picks, or Sweeney's a seventh round pick, and Morris is an undrafted free agent, both from these last three classes. But they haven't done anything in the league yet, so. Um, so yeah, for offensive line, they have Deion Dawkins starting at left tackle, Roger Saffold at left guard, Mitch Morse at center, Ryan Bates at right guard, and Spencer Brown at right tackle. With David Questenberry and Luke Tenuta 
Tommy Doyle, Bobby Hart, and Will Ulmer all being backup tackles. Ike Boedeker, Jacob Capra, Tanner Owen, Cody Ford, and Alec Anderson being backup guards. And Greg Mance and Derek Kerstetter being backup centers. Deion Dawkins has consistently been one of the better tackles in the league since he was picked in the second round of 2017. And he is also like primarily a pass pass protector rather than a run blocker, which fits what this offense wants to do more so. Um, Questenberry started last year at right tackle for Tennessee, and he played pretty well, especially against the run. Um, definitely room to improve in pass protection, though, but he's definitely a solid backup swing tackle to have in case of injury. Tenuto was drafted in the sixth round this year out of Virginia Tech. We'll see if he can make the roster or be like a practice squad guy. Um, there is some nice depth ahead of him. And then... Another starter on Tennessee's line last year, Saffold started to show signs of regression and battled through a lot of injuries last year, so can he bounce back here in Buffalo? We'll see about that. Um, Bo Edgar has filled in and started for Buffalo in a good amount of games his past couple of seasons, but he hasn't pro- provided much more than just like a replacement level play. And then Capra and Owens are undrafted free agents from this year and last year, so they're going to have to fight to make a roster spot here. Morse has been good in Buffalo, but... Not quite as good as he was in Kansas City, but he definitely shouldn't be like a liability or anything. He's just not necessarily a strength. Mance has entered the league as an undrafted free agent in 2015 and has some starting experience under his belt. So that's pretty solid just to have as a backup, like someone who actually can play. And then Kerstetter is a UDFA this year with an uphill battle definitely to make this roster. Bates gave Buffalo a few starts of some replacement level play last year. And he's got a pretty solid chance to win up the right guard spot. He's also going to be competing with Cody Ford, who was drafted in 2019 in the second round as a tackle. But he disappointed there, while also, when he was moved into guard, disappointed there. Um, he'll have a chance to win the starting job between him and Bates. And um, Bo Edgar, I'd probably say, are the top three to get that job right now. But it doesn't look too good for Ford right now. And then Anderson is a UDFA this year, so we'll see if he's able to stick around. Um, Brown, he's had his up and down last year, but he was a third-round rookie starting for a playoff team, and he played above expectations when you look at it that way. We'll see if he can continue to grow and develop here. And then Doyle was drafted in the fifth round last year and mostly played as like a sixth lineman, like the like eligible tight end. Um, so that will likely continue to be his role. I don't think he'll beat out Brown or... Dawkins to be the starter and if anyone goes down I feel like Questenberry would be the one to take the place instead um, Hart has a lot of starting experience but not good starting experience we'll see if he even is able to stick around his death but I don't think so just because as I said like Doyle and um, Questenberry are, are, are already on the roster and are both better than Hart um, and then Olmer is another UDFA this year he's going to have a tough, t- tough time cracking this roster For interior defensive linemen, they have Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Brandon Bryant, Eli Ankou, and C.J. Brewer. Ed Oliver hasn't lived up to the hype since being ninth overall out of Houston, but he definitely had his best season last year, so that's something. Um, posting a 40-pressure, 5-sack season. Can he continue to build upon this and unlock his potential, or is he going to be another like one of these undersized interior linemen with all the like Aaron Donald comparisons who just, unless you're Aaron Donald, do you really have a place in the NFL? It's starting to look like these guys don't, which just makes Aaron Donald even more of an outlier. 
Um, Jones has been a solid like nose tackle type throughout his years in Tennessee, and then last year in Carolina. It's nothing special, but he's not bad against both the run and the pass, so you definitely could do a lot worse there. And then Tim Settle played pretty well in Washington, but not good enough to beat out the talent in front of him. Um, they had a really deep group there in uh, Washington for a couple years in the for interior linemen. Um, with a thinner group definitely here in Buffalo, will he be able to carve out some significant playing time and potentially even start above Jones? And then Phillips, he's been an all-right rotational piece throughout his career, but likely won't be really pushing for a starting gig with the guys ahead of him. And then Bryant and and Kou were undrafted a few years ago and have yet to make significant impacts on the teams that they've been on, while Brewer is a UDFA this year. So for edge defenders, they have Vaughn Miller, Gregory Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, AJ Epineza, Boogie Basham, Kingsley Jonathan, Mike Love, and Daniel Joseph. So... They're going to have a sick rotation here. A lot of these guys can play, and it's going to be like a lot of fresh bodies coming in and out. Um, starting off with Vaughn Miller, after he had it down 2019 and uh, missing 2020 due to injury, Miller looked like he was going to have to like continue this career downswing. But then he was traded to the Rams, and he started to look a bit more like his old, old self and then just exploded in the playoffs. So that got him this huge contract with the Bills. Let's see if he can continue to turn that back the clock and play like that. It's also interesting. Are they going to kind of do the same thing as the Rams and kind of hold him back. As I said, this group is really deep, so I could see Vaughn only getting like a handful of snaps throughout the regular season just to keep him warm and make sure he's not hurt. And then in the playoffs, just let him go crazy. Uh, Rousseau was drafted last year as like a high upside project edge, and he got 30 pressures and five sacks, which is pretty good playing in a rotation for how much development he seemed to have needed. Um I still expect him to have like a high rotation amongst these edge. Jerry Hughes left in free agency, and I think Rousseau is the one who's going to take advantage of most of those snaps. As I said, like I feel like Vaughn is going to play a limited number of snaps until the end of the year, so Rousseau really has a chance to capitalize and get a ton of playing time. Uh, Lawson, he disappointed as a first-round pick for Buffalo back in 2016, and he's bounced around a bit now back in Buffalo. Um, let's see if he's a bit more successful this time. And then A.J. Epineza is a bigger body edge, drafted in the second round of 2020. So far, he's just kind of been another member of this deep rotation that they've had. But similar to Rousseau, he has a chance to become more of that with the departure of Hughes. And then Boogie was drafted in the second round last year, and he played pretty all right, finishing with 11 pressures and three sacks and only 140 pass rush snaps. We'll see if he can get any more this year and how well he looks in year two. And then Love went undrafted a few seasons ago, and Jonathan and Joseph were both UDFAs this year, so we'll see if any of them can stick around on this roster and make an impact. For linebackers, they have Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard, Tyler Matakovich, Markel Lee, Andre Smith, Balin Spector, and Joe Gills-Harris. So Edmund will be playing on his fifth-year option this year, but he hasn't really lived up to his first-round draft position. Will he play well enough this year to earn a contract extension here in Buffalo, or will he continue to show like impressive flashes but not the consistency to put it all together? And then since being drafted in the fifth round in 2017, Milano was able to quickly establish himself as a good, even great, weak side slash cover linebacker and has been a constant uh, positive force on this Buffalo defense. Bernard was the third round pick out of Baylor this year, so we'll see if he can crack this rotation early, get some playing time, and 
maybe even take Edmonds' job next year, like allow them to move on from Edmonds. Uh, Dodson, Matovich, Lee Smith, and Gills Harris have been career backups so far. Um, nothing too special, special teams guys, you know. And Inspector was drafted in the seventh round this year, so a lot of competition to fill out this roster. We'll see who ends up making some of those um, bottom pieces. And then for cornerbacks, they have Tredavious White, Kair Elam, Teron Johnson, Siren Neal, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis, Nick McLeod, and Christian Benford. So White is one of the league's best cornerbacks, and at the time of the injury, he had not given up a touchdown last season. Uh, we'll see if he can bounce back and play at full force coming back off of ACL. I think it's likely a lot of um, athletes are able to recover from ACLs pretty easily, but it's still something to keep your eye on. And then Elam, he's a strong physical press corner who will likely be asked to start right away after being taken in the first round of this year's draft out of Florida, especially with the departure of Levi Wallace, the longtime number two corner. Um, Johnson, he's been the Bills slot corner for the past couple of seasons, but he hasn't been like the most amazing guy here. He's slated to start again, so we'll see if he can take a step forward or it's possible definitely that someone beats him out and takes his job. Um, someone like Neil, he has the potential to start this year in the slot. So far, he's been mostly a special teamer and a backup, but they did just sign him to a three-year contract extension, so maybe Buffalo sees something in there that they want to unlock this season. Dane Jackson was forced into a starting role with Trey White going down last year on the outside, and he wasn't like completely lost out here, but as a former seventh-round pick, he's probably just going to remain a depth piece for now. And then Lewis went undrafted a couple years ago, McLeod went undrafted last year, and Benford this year. We'll see if any of them can make the roster. So for safeties, they have Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Jaquan Johnson, Damar Hamlin, and Josh Thomas. Um, both Hyde and Poirier, they struggled their first couple of seasons in the league until both of them signed together in Buffalo in 2017. And since then, they've definitely been the best safety tandem in the league, excelling in like split safety looks. They're both versatile enough to play high, single high, two high, and rotate down into the box. They're great chess, pe great chess pieces to keep the defense guessing. Um, Last season, Jordan Poirier was first-team All-Pro, and Hyde was second-team All-Pro. So while they may not be able to repeat this like super impressive feat, I still expect them to be a, like a top-three safety duo. And then Johnson, Hamlin, and Thomas have been on the team for a couple of years now, but they have little to no playing experience due to Hyde and Poirier playing phenomenally ahead of them and staying healthy the whole time. So for special teams, they have Tyler Bass, Punch God Matariza and Reed Ferguson. Bass, he's a very solid kicker who has a career 84.8 field goal percentage over these last two seasons, and he's yet to miss a kick under 30 yards in his career, despite playing in Buffalo with some crazy wind and snow. Um, Matariza, better known as Punt God, he was drafted in the sixth round this year, and last year with San Diego State, he set records for average punt distance, 50 plus yards, 60 plus yard punts. Um, he had six punts go for over 70 yards and two go over 80. When I was looking at like the stats, trying to find out what all the records he had broken, they didn't say those were records. And I'm really curious, like who has more than that? Because I was trying to find that out and couldn't find it. Um, maybe they just don't track it. Because I'm like, damn, that's crazy. But anyways, he's like a he's a weapon as a punter with how far he can just boot the ball. Like I know Buffalo's probably not going to be punting a lot, but when they do, like they're just going to be able to send it to the opposite side of the field, which is sick. And then Ferguson, he's been on the team since 2016, so that consistency is good. Plus, he's number 69, so nice.
and then for their season projection. Um, so how this part of the episode works, I talk about everything pretty much that can go wrong and then everything that can go right. And if all of these things go wrong, then they're probably going to have a worse record than 10 and seven. If all the, the, all these things go right, they're going to go 17 and Oh, this is just like, um, the predictions are more so just like, okay, I think their floor is 10 and seven because I don't obviously think everything's going to go wrong. And their ceiling is like 14 and three. Cause I don't think everything is going to go right. Uh, but starting off with the pessimism, um, Josh Allen, he could have a down year. Like, I don't think he's going to be as bad as his first two seasons, but um, there's a chance he's not up to par with the last two. Um, running back room could just remain unspectacular despite the cook pickup and just be like, okay, they're, they're running backs, you know. Um, Davis, he looks like his regular season self, not that playoff version, and unable to carry that success into this next year. And then between Knox and Howard, they're unable to find a true number one tight end, and they're both kind of like, okay, they're like nice, decent compliments, but nothing special. Um, their interior O-line definitely has a chance to struggle this year with older guys regressing and backups being forced to be starters. Um, their defense might not be able to do much among the front seven with the interior defensive line and edge rushers fa- failing to generate much pressure and them still inviting the run just a little too much. Um, Tremaine Edmonds remains inconsistent, and Trey White, when he comes back off the ACL, just isn't himself, and Kyrie Olam as a rookie corner struggles, which a lot of rookie corners tend to do. Um, these safeties, I still think, are going to be fine, but if everything on their defense is collapsing around them, then they're inevitably going to look worse. And then, optimistically, Josh Allen continues to be amazing, cementing himself as a top three quarterback in this league, and even winning the MVP. Um, Cook brings this receiving element to this backfield and really unlocks like the whole thing, makes the whole unit so much better. Um, Diggs and Davis are one of the best duos in the league, and Knox and Howard are one of the best tight end duos in the league. Um, for the offensive line, the old guys in the middle, they don't regress, or if they do, just like not too much and just a viable, um, viable interior play, you know. And the Deion Dawkins stays good, and Spencer Brown continues to progress. Um, Ed Oliver looks much more um, complete and more like the player we thought he would be coming out. And the rest of the room just compliments him nice. I don't really see anyone exploding there, but they just are both solid against the run and the pass. And then Vaughn, he continues his resurgence. And between Rousseau, Epineza, and Basham, they're able to generate a good amount of pass rush because they just keep getting these guys in um, refreshed. And then Tremaine Edmonds takes advantage of his athleticism and becomes more consistent and establishes himself as one of the top linebackers while Trey White bounces back from his ACL like nothing ever happened and is continuing to be one of the best corners in the league. And Elam plays really well for a rookie. And because of all that, the safety duo that we already know is elite just continues to look amazing. Um, so... I think their over-under here is definitely achievable at 11.5. That's like right in the middle of my pessimistic season, which is 10-7, and seven, and optimistic season, which is 14-3. and three. Um, It's not necessarily something I would bet, though, just because like 11.5 wins, there's a lot of things that could go wrong to go under. But like I do believe like if I had to bet, I would bet it because I think this team is talented enough to definitely win at least 12 or more games uh, looking at it right now. Their biggest strength is going to be their offensive firepower. On any given snap, a huge play can occur with Josh Allen's crazy arms, these 
amazing receivers on the team. His running threat is really good. James Cook is going to bring that explosiveness out of the backfield. Um, yeah, just their firepower and offense could just be incredible, and that's going to carry them a lot. We saw that happen last year. And then their biggest weakness um, is their front seven, I put, but there's definitely plenty of reason for optimism. Uh, they have three edge rushers this year going into year two or three that were either first or second round picks. While they haven't been incredible yet in their career, like they were obviously drafted high because they have this talent and potential that they could hit. And then if Von Miller can continue to play like old Von, then that's going to be a crazy edge group with four like good pass rushers. And then if Ed Oliver continues to develop in the middle, that's an elite defensive tackle there. And Matt Milano has already one of the best cover linebackers. And Tremaine Edmonds is one of the most athletic. So if that duo can can be more consistent, then you got good linebackers, good edge rushers, and good defensive tackles. Um, they just need to kind of hit that potential, you know? Like, it's a possibility that this biggest weakness, like, this just looks stupid that I put it. But right now, I'd say it's the biggest question mark. And the rest of this roster is just so incredible. Like, maybe you could say interior offensive line is definitely a reason for concern. Or even Spencer Brown, like, we don't know if he's good yet, so everyone but Dean Dawkins is kind of like, uh. But I think this front seven, like, right now, if they played like they did last year, it would be their biggest weakness. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around. Um, I'll be posting again shortly. If you like this video, leave a like on YouTube, comment, and subscribe. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts or um, Spotify, leave a review and, like, a comment on that, too. And if you're on Twitter, follow me at FPF underscore podcast. And yeah, I'll see you guys next time.